DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sports book, but also America's top-rated sports book. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Just listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credit. That's right. Pick any basketball team. It could be any of the four that's left over in these playoffs. The Clippers, Phoenix, Atlanta, Milwaukee. Pick any of those teams that are still in contention. Bet $1. And if that team wins, you win $100. That's one C-note for those of us that call $100 a C-note. Insight credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to another episode of L.A. Courtside Podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And I am your host, L.A. Ray, starting you off with a little bit of Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Blige, one of the most successful female rappers of all time, of course. Outstanding. Mary J. Blige is also in the in the movies nowadays playing on that show Power. Mary J. Blige, little tune entitled Family Affair. Family Affair is what uh, the L.A. Clippers are playing like right now. Uh, lately, they have been playing very, very good basketball. But unfortunately, they lost this first game, the Western Conference Finals, to the Phoenix Suns, the number two seed in the West, 120 to 114. And it's just game one. You know, how can you count the Clippers out at this point? Down 0-2 against the Dallas Mavericks. Came back and won that series. Down 0-2 against the Utah Jazz, the number one seed in the Western Conference. And came back and won that particular series in six games. So now we have the Phoenix Suns now. And, you know, going down 0-1, first game in Phoenix, even without Chris Paul. Even without Chris Paul, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Phoenix was jacked up for this game, and uh, the Lakers, I'm sorry, the Clippers. Oh, please, please, Clipper fans, don't hold that against me. Please don't hold that against me. The, the Lakers are at home. The Clippers are still playing. But the Clippers, I meant to say, uh, nothing to be ashamed of losing to Phoenix. Phoenix was really jacked up for that game. And, of course, the Clippers still do not have Kawhi Leonard, 
and Phoenix uh, does not have Chris Paul. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a wash. So Phoenix just uh, had the upper hand in this particular ball game. As far as those two players are concerned, uh, Chris Paul, there's still no timetable for his return. They're still not sure whether he's going to be able to play in game two or not. And as far as Kawhi Leonard is concerned, uh, they still don't know whether or not he's going to be available for this series at all or let alone the rest of the playoffs. From what we're hearing is that his knee is still being tested. Now, that's kind of strange. You know, most times in this, this day and age of uh, modern medicine, seem like they would know by now if, if Kawhi Leonard would be able to play or not. But uh, the last that we're hearing is that he's still back in Los Angeles getting tested in that knee. So the bottom line is he is still unavailable to the Clippers. So they have to go with what they have. And again, Chris Paul, he's on the COVID protocol. And normally in most situations, that takes about 14 days. And uh, they still don't know the status of uh, Chris Paul yet. So on we go. Game one. Again, the 120-14 loss to the Phoenix Suns. The Clippers were led by Paul George, of course, who was having an outstanding playoff altogether, starting with Dallas and then into Utah and now Phoenix. He has averaged over 30 points a game. And in this particular game, it was really no different. Paul George shot 10 for 26, 7 out of 15 from three-piece land, scored 34 points, you know, kept them in the game. He is playing some outstanding basketball. He is leading this team, you know, both as a, a vocal leader and his play on the basketball floor. Uh, nothing against Paul George now. You know, all of the Clipper fans or, you know, all of the national pundits, you know, who said that as of last year when uh, they blew that lead in the bubble and Paul George did not play well. And uh, Paul George's stock actually went down in terms of him being a quote-unquote superstar type of player. Paul George has um, pretty much shut everybody up in that particular place uh, case. And he is playing outstanding, outstanding basketball. But he can't do it alone. Of course, he can't do it alone. He had some help yesterday in the form of Reggie Jackson. Reggie played 39 minutes, was 10 out of 19 from the field, only 4-12 from three-piece land, but he did score 24 points. So he is also continuing to play well. And as I mentioned in my last episode, which was episode 5-0, the big 5-0 for L.A. courtside, I mentioned in that last episode that the Clippers will have to make a decision on Reggie Jackson after this uh, season is over, whenever that may be, because he's only signed to a one-year contract. And uh, Paul George had to pretty much talk him into coming back and playing. So they really don't have another answer at point guard other than Patrick Beverly, who's playing stellar defense. Rajon Rondo is probably not going to be on this Clipper team next year. I'm assuming that he's not. And Reggie Jackson is the guy. So I don't know if you can go out and get a better point guard than what you already have in Reggie Jackson. But you're going to have to sign him to a multi-year deal. And the way he's playing his playoffs, he's going to command uh, some pretty good money. And he's also going to command at least, I would say at least, no less than three years. You know, maybe three years max. But you're going to have to pay Reggie Jackson some money. Now, the rest of the Clippers in this game, though, uh, did not play very well. Well, two players in particular, 
Marcus Morris Sr., who's been having a very, very good playoffs himself, starting with the last couple of games against Dallas and then into the Utah series. In this game, though, he was only 3 of 11 from the field. 0 of 5 from three-piece land. Marcus Morris Sr. is going to have to pick up that pace if they are to beat the Phoenix Suns in this Western Conference Finals. Uh, Marcus only scored six points, only had three rebounds. He was minus 11, minus 11 in that plus-minus category, uh, leading them in the, the negative in that category, which is not good. So they're going to have to get better play out of Marcus Morris Sr. And I expect for him to play better. You know, again, he's been playing very well in these playoffs, and I expect that to continue. You know, one bad game doesn't make a series. Marcus Morris is a pro. He's been around a long time. The guy knows what he's doing, and he knows that the Clippers need him to play better basketball. And again, I believe he is going to do just that. Uh, Nick Batum was only two of five. You know, he only took five shots, one of four from three-piece land, only scored five points. Now, he did lead the team in rebounding, though. So if you're not shooting that well, you know, you should be doing something else on that floor. You know, whether you're leading the team in assists, you know, you're playing stellar defense, you're grabbing a bunch of rebounds. So Nick Batum did have 10 rebounds in that game, and uh, you have to credit him for that effort, even though he did not score in bunches. Well, he's not a volume scorer anyway. But you're going to have to expect more than five points a game as well from Nick Batum, especially playing 37 minutes, which he did in that last or in the first game in the Western Conference Finals. Terrence Mann, of course, everyone knows that he wasn't going to duplicate that 39-point effort in game six against Utah, and he scored nine points. He was three out of four from the field, though, so the confidence is still there with this young kid. He played 27 minutes. Of course, he started for Kawhi Leonard. Played 27 minutes, and but he only shot the ball four times. He was three of three. All the shots that he made was from three-piece land, so he has that confidence of shooting that ball from, from three. He had four rebounds. He played pretty good defense. Uh, however, he only scored nine points. Uh, the surprise in this particular game early on when they brought in DeMarcus Cousins, DeMarcus played 13 minutes. He was four out of ten from the field. He was playing very well. Maybe the Clippers should start um, considering playing him more minutes. Now, Zubak, he played 18 minutes and was two of three for nine points. Now, those two guys are the biggest two guys that you have, you know, especially when it comes to trying to guard DeAndre Ayton, who scored 20 points. Now, this is where Ty Lue is going to have to make a decision about DeAndre Ayton. Is he going to put in the, uh, DeMarcus Cousins a little bit more to try to bang with uh, DeAndre Ayton down low, make life a little bit difficult for him, maybe try to get on his skin. That's what DeMarcus Cousins does. You know, bang with the young fella a little bit. You know, try to take him off his game. Or are you going to play Zubak more? And uh, you may get a little bit more offense out of uh, Zubak, but you can bang bodies with uh, DeAndre Ayton as well. So uh, Ty Lue is going to have to make a decision on that. Ayton was 10 out of 14 from the field. He played 37 minutes, and he had nine rebounds and 20 points. So right now, and again, it's only one game, but they did not have an answer for DeAndre Ayton in this game one. Now, obviously, the guy who just torched the Clippers, it goes without saying. This guy is, you might as well say he's a superstar right now. Devin Booker, I mean, what, what, what can't this kid do? 44 minutes, 15 out of 29 from the field. 29 shots. That lets you know right there who their go-to guy is. 29 shots. Their go-to guy is not Aiton. 
It's not Crowder. It's not Bridges. It's not, it's not, it may not even be Chris Paul when he comes back. Devin Booker is the man on this team, 40 points. And on top of all that, on top of all that, the kid had 13 rebounds, 11 assists, first career triple-double, 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. He was all over the floor. They had absolutely zero answer for Devin Booker. At one point in that game, the Clippers even went to a zone defense. It looked like a a 2-1-2 zone or maybe it was a 2-3 zone or something like that. I hear a lot of uh, sports fans say, you know, why don't you play a zone? You know, why why, why does the NBA in general, why don't they play zone defenses more? Well, that's why. You know, this is the NBA. It's not like college or high school. Uh, uh, A good point guard in the NBA will destroy a zone defense. It's okay to every now and then you may want to switch it up. You know, if you're playing uh, man-to-man defense for most of the game, and then the coach say, you know what, the next two or three times down the floor, switch to a zone, switch to a 2-1-2 zone. Maybe that'll surprise that team a little bit. But once they figure out what type of zone you're playing, a guy like Devin Booker, uh, Chris Paul, you know, those type of guys, the good guard, you know, Rajon Rondo and those type of guys, and they'll carve a zone up in a minute. You can try to play zone all you want to against a guy named uh, a guy by the name of Devin Booker, but he will slice that up either driving to the basket and dishing or he'll just stand behind that zone and shoot threes on you all day long. So I don't think a zone defense is the answer, but Ty Lue is going to have to come up with something to try to slow down Devin Booker. I don't think you're going to stop this guy. He is too good for that. But they're going to have to come up with some sort of defensive scheme. You know, maybe running a couple of guys at him to try to uh, stop him, similar to what they did with um, Spider Mitchell for Utah. You know, when Spider Mitchell was uh, carving the Clippers up, Ty Lue, uh, he just got a couple of guys and started running at him. Maybe that's the answer for Booker. I'm not sure. That's why they paid Ty Lue all the big bucks for him to figure out. And I'm sure he will come up with some sort of scheme to try to at least slow down Devin Booker. Cameron Payne, He's the guy that's taking over for Chris Paul in the starting lineup. And I'll tell you what, man, this kid, you're talking about pain. He's a pain in the ass, man. Five out of ten from the field. He was only one of four from three-piece land. You can't expect for him to shoot 25% every game because he can fire up the three as well. He only scored 11 points, but he did have nine assists. He played a pretty good floor game. He only had one turnover. That, that's almost like Chris Paul-type numbers. You know, he's not going to score in high volume buckets or anything like that, but he's like a really, really slippery type of player. Man, he gets into the lane, seems like pretty much with ease. And uh, they're going to have to find a way to stop him now. When Chris Paul comes back, whenever he does, whether it's in game two, game three, whenever that is, they'll move uh, Cameron Payne to the bench. And now you have another player to come off the bench that the Clippers will have to worry about. Speaking of guys coming off the bench, the other Cameron for the Phoenix Suns, Cameron Johnson. Five out of eight from the field, two or five from three-piece lands, 12 points. The Phoenix Suns are a serious, serious problem. Serious problem. And again, like I mentioned in my last episode, episode 5-0, I underestimated this particular team all year round, all year round. You know, I knew obviously they were good. They, you know, had the second best record in the West. But I did not think that this would carry over into the playoffs because of their lack of experience. As far as uh, playoff performers, other than Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, they really don't have a, a bunch of uh, experienced guys in the playoffs. But here they are. You know, Cameron Johnson, again, he's balling, man. 
ball and guy had four rebounds, you know, a couple of steals. You know, young guy out there running up and down the court. They've got a really, really good, really, really good basketball team. So the Clippers are going to have their hands full. But, you know, just like the Dallas series when they was down 0-2, many people wrote them off. And especially when they were down 0-2 against Utah, everyone figured, you know, this is it. They're not coming back from the 0-2 deficit to beat the Utah Jazz, number one seed in the Western Conference, but they did just that. And now here comes Phoenix, and they're down again 0-1. The next game is in Phoenix tomorrow night. So, again, Ty Lue, he's going to have to make some adjustments. Again, uh, uh, we're, we're sure he's going to do just that. And the rest of the Clippers, especially Marcus Morris Sr., he's the guy that's really going to have to pick his game back up. He can't have – uh, back-to-back three out of 11 uh, games from the field and 0 for 5 from three-piece land. Just can't have that. If he's not playing well, then uh, I'm not giving the Clippers a chance to beat Phoenix. You know, they're, they're going to win a couple of games, but if Morris is not playing well, that does not bode well for the Clippers. You know what Paul George is going to give you. He's had an outstanding playoffs again so far, as I mentioned. Reggie Jackson also you know, if they only getting three of 11 from uh, Marcus Morris, two of five from Batum, you know, you're not sure what Terrence Mann is going to give you. Again, he's not going to give you 39 points. Um, you know, maybe he needs to score more than nine points. But that means that somebody like Paul George, instead of scoring 34, he may have to score close to 44 points. And as good as Paul George is, you know, I don't expect, you know, but uh, 40-point games all the time from Paul George. You know, getting – 30 points uh, per game for him is really, really good. But to uh, expect 40 points a game from Paul George, I don't think that's going to happen. So, again, I'm sure these adjustments will be made by Ty Lue. Not sure if Chris Paul is going to be playing in game two. But even if he is, I expect the Clippers to come out and play uh, a little bit better than they played in the first game and give the Phoenix Suns a run for their money. You know, the, the Clippers haven't gotten this far, this far, and just to throw it in a the tank. They know the situation that it is. Western Conference Finals, that's a beautiful thing. First time in the history of the franchise. And uh, especially since when they moved to Los Angeles in 1984. And they have a chance to get the monkey off of their back. Get the Lakers fans off of their back. Get the NBA folks off of their back. Who's been ridiculing this franchise since they were the Buffalo Braves back in the 1970-71 season. And, you know, they would no longer be the laughing stock of the NBA just by making it to the Western Conference Finals. But they want to they want to close this thing out. They really, really want to beat Phoenix. And with or without Kawhi Leonard, I fully expect for them to do just that. So there you have it, folks, with the uh, with the L.A. Clippers as far as where they are. Again, game two is tomorrow night in Phoenix. On my next segment, I just want to briefly talk about the Eastern Conference. And what's going on over there? Uh, Milwaukee uh, finally dispatched of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they beat them 115 to 111 in game number seven. And I must admit, the uh, Greek freak, who, who you all know I'm not a huge fan of, but I'm not crazy. The guy does have uh, outstanding basketball talent. He played 50 minutes and was 15 out of 24 from the field. 15 of 24. Two of six from three piece land. That's the difference between him and Ben Simmons. I'll get to Ben Simmons in just a moment, <laughs> folks. I'll get to that atrocity in a minute. But at least the Greek freak will shoot the ball. You know, he's not that great from the free throw line. He was only eight out of 14, 
but he had 13 rebounds, five assists, scored 40 points. They really had no answer for him. When he gets that ball at the top of the key, he, it seems like he makes the same move all the time, but he still can't stop it. He takes a couple of dribbles, takes a couple of steps back like he's on a runway or something. You know, 747 jet getting ready to take off. And he just barrels himself in the lane and gets in the lane and lays the ball up. It seems like to me that somebody needs to be at that dotted line taking some charges from this guy, try to get him in foul trouble and send him on the bench. But whatever they tried with him, it just, it just was not working in that game. Now on the flip side, of course, Kevin Durant, you know, what can you say about him? 53 minutes. He's been logging so many minutes in this series because you only have James Harden on one leg and uh, Kyrie Irving was out, of course, with the uh, ankle injury. Kevin Durant, for those who, who, who thought that this guy can't carry a team on his shoulders, okay, so forget about that. We all know that he can now, even though Brooklyn did not win this series. Kevin Durant can carry a team. Again, 53 minutes, 17 out of 36 from the field. 4 of 11 from three-piece land. He also had nine rebounds, six assists, 48 points. And he had the shot at the end of the fourth quarter to tie the game and send it into overtime. And I'll tell you what, boy, it looks like that toe may have been behind that line. If that was called a three-point shot, the uh, Brooklyn would be in the Eastern Conference Finals. But apparently his foot was on the line. And then in overtime, Milwaukee outscored Brooklyn 6-2. Uh, to two. Brooklyn only scored two points in overtime. And that's how you ended up with the four-point advantage and the four-point win by the Milwaukee Bucks. As I mentioned, James Harden, he was not the same James Harden because of that uh, hamstring injury. He, was, he scored 22 points in game number seven, but he was only 5 of 17 from the field. He really wasn't that effective. 2 of 12 from uh, three-piece land. 2 of 12. He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line. We know he can shoot free throws. He had 9 rebounds, 9 assists, but you know, 5 out of 17 just wasn't going to do it. He played 53 minutes. Now you do have to give him credit for going out there with that hamstring injury. So, I, you know, I give him much credit for that, much love for that to the beard. Another one of the guys that's, you know, not one of my favorite players, but again, I recognize talent. You know, a guy can play basketball, obviously. But he just wasn't the same guy. I think if he was the same guy, if he was not injured, I don't think Milwaukee wins this series. But, hey, man, you, you know, you can't, blame, you can't blame everything on injuries. You got a, you got a, a, a superstar in Kevin Durant. You have a guy like Blake Griffin. Who played well? 40 minutes. These guys were logging some huge minutes, man. 40 minutes, 7 out of 12 from the field. 3 of 6 from 3-piece land. 11 rebounds for Blake. So Blake played pretty well. The guy that really disappointed in, uh, in this Milwaukee series for uh, for Brooklyn was uh, Harris. Joe Harris, man. 47 minutes, only 3 of 10 from the field. He did not shoot well the entire series. You know, a few more 3-point shots by him, and Brooklyn wins this series. So... He did not play well. And uh, Bruce Brown, 52 minutes. He played pretty well, 7 of 9 from the field. So, But as far as the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't get anything from their bench. Jeff Green. Where was Jeff Green? I remember the game before that. Jeff Green was going off. This game he played 13 minutes, did not score. Did not score a point. So uh, the game that he had uh, in the game before this, game number six, that was an anomaly. That was an anomaly by Jeff Green. He wasn't going to duplicate that at all. Landry Shamet did not score, and neither did Claxton. Well, Claxton didn't even play. And another thing is, how come DeAndre Jordan did not play any minutes? I don't, I don't know. Is he hurt or anything like that? 
you know, he might not be able to stop the Greek freak, but he can make life miserable for him in that paint when he drives down. Speaking of the Greek freak, when he drives down in the paint, you got a big dude but like DeAndre Jordan. I'm still, I still think he can block some shots, but he did not play. I believe he did not play one minute at all in this particular series. So, you know, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn fans, your season ended on a sour note. You know, you got the big three together. You know, James Harden came, you know, came over to uh, Brooklyn in that trade. You know, you had Kyrie, you had Kevin Durant, you had high expectations, but it all came and crashed and burned. Those guys, I believe, only played seven games together. So it just did not work out, and uh, we'll see what happens next year with Brooklyn. They'll still be favored if all three of these guys are still together. They will still be favored to win in the East. And then the last game I want to talk about is this debacle, not by Atlanta, not by the Philadelphia 76ers, as a team, just one guy. And of course, that's Ben Simmons. And I've been saying this on on uh, plenty of episodes, that this guy, I have never, ever seen a guy who is scared to shoot the ball. Like I said, the Greek freak is not the greatest shooter. Definitely not, he's not the best free throw shooter. He's not the best three point shooter, but he will shoot. He will shoot. You have to at least shoot the ball to keep defensive defenses honest. Ben Simmons played 36 minutes, only shot the ball four times. Four times. No three-point shots. We know he's not going to take three-point shots. Now, some of the Ben Simmons apologists say, well, he, he does other things. Yeah, he had 13 assists. That's beautiful. Yep, that's good. He had eight rebounds. Good. He plays very, very good defense. He makes life miserable for Trey Young. Trey Young was only five out of 23. Many of those shots that Trey Young took, Ben Simmons was zoning. But... For a guy that makes $35 million and I and, and he turns down shots, did you see the dunk that he turned down toward the end of that game? When Philadelphia was down by, I believe it was down by two. He made a nice little spin move on, uh, I believe it was Gallinari, down on the baseline. And the only person standing between him and a dunk was Trey Young. You know how small Trey Young is, right? You know, what does Ben Simmons do? He passes the ball off. I, I, dude, are, are you serious? He passes the ball off, and I forget who he passed it to. Uh, look at that Philadelphia's roster. What's the kid's name? Thibu, I think it was. Passed it off to him. He got fouled, went to the free throw line, and made one of two. So instead of being tied, they were still down by one. And if you saw the look on Joel Embiid's face, who was standing like right at the free throw line, he had his arms like wide, you know, off to a side, like, what the hell are you doing, man? The whole bench probably looked at Ben Simmons like, man, what? I mean, you had a wide open dunk. The only thing Trey Young, uh, uh, Trey was going to do, Trey Young was going to do is foul you. But even if he tried to do a flagrant one foul, speaking of Trey Young, he wasn't going to stop you from dunking that ball. Ben Simmons was scared to go to the free throw line, so he passed the ball off. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Now, fans in Philadelphia, they started booing him towards the end. And so many, many people on Twitter saying, uh, well, just trade the guy. You know, he needs to get out of Philadelphia. Just trade him. Okay, well, who's going to take on $35 million for a guy who's scared to shoot the basketball? That's, that's crazy. Who's going to take on that salary? You know, am I, am I, if I'm a team, I'm going to say, well, uh, he's a reclamation project. I'll take Ben Simmons. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe a change of scenery is doing good. Maybe he needs to shoot right-handed. Maybe he needs to go see a shrink. Dude, whatever. Sorry. 
I'm owning a team, I would tell my general manager to steer clear of him. That's Philadelphia's problem. So not sure how that's going to work out with Philadelphia. They're even talking about possibly playing him at the power forward position or small forward position and not the point guard. Don't know what they're going to do, but they have to find some kind of answer. They asked Doc Rivers at the end of the game about Ben Simmons. He basically shrugged his shoulders saying, I, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to do about that. So Philadelphia, who's the favorites going into that Atlanta series, they have been knocked out. Trey Young, as I mentioned, scored 21 points. He was only 5 for 23. But, you know, down the stretch, he's going to get you a couple of those floaters. And he did just that. He had 10 assists as well. And Collins, John Collins played good. Scored 14 points. Capella scored uh, 13 points. And then lastly, Herder. I believe that's, his name is pronounced Herder. But he scored 27 points. He was 10 out of 18 from the field. Two or four from three-piece land. Did you hear what Shaq called this kid after the game? Because Herder has that red hair. He called him Opie or uh, Richie Cunningham. You know, that's Shaq for you. Thought that was pretty funny. But, hey, this Richie Cunningham dude can play. He has seven rebounds. And, again, that 27 points. He was plus eight in the plus-minus column, which was the highest for the starters on the Atlanta Hawks. So now the Atlanta Hawks find themselves in the Eastern Conference Finals. They will go up against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, hey, I give Atlanta a puncher's chance to win that game. When the, when the Hawks are firing on all cylinders, they are very, very tough to beat. And if you can find some way to keep the Greek freak out of the lane, and uh, they will have a puncher's chance to win this series. So with that, there you are, folks. That's my analysis on the Eastern Conference. Again, the next game that the Clippers have against Phoenix is tomorrow night. And um, hopefully the Clippers can pull that one out. So, again, with that, I'm going to leave it there, folks. Thanks again for listening to L.A. Courtside. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at L.A. Courtside Pod. And I'd like to thank the Basketball Podcast Network for putting on this show. And also, thanks to our sponsor, DraftKings.com. With that, until the next episode, basketball family, peace.